With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon, welcome back. Hour number two, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial as we take you up until almost till noon hour. We will hear from Scott Dockerman in about 20 minutes. He covers uh, Iowa at the Athletic. We'll get Doc in here. Uh, but right now we are going to uh, begin our first of daily, hopefully, guests uh, to discuss the Super Bowl. 5.30, thereabouts, kickoff on uh, Sunday evening, uh, and uh, Nick Athen. Nick is the uh, VP of Operations at PrimetimeSportsDoc.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Chiefs Insider, and he joins us. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Doing well. I appreciate you coming on. So it's uh, been a week, and I don't think there's been a ton of news. You know, I did see a stat, Nick. That uh, I wanted to pick your brain on. See if I can get it exactly right. It has to do with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Eric Fisher. A ridiculous number um, that Patrick Mahomes starts with with uh, Eric Fisher. Last two seasons, including playoffs, Mahomes and Fisher both in the lineup. The Chiefs are twenty seven and one. Without yep. Eric Fisher, they're three and three. Ooh. They're yep. without Eric Fisher. If you're trying to make a case for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe that's well, one of them. That's a pretty good defensive yeah, front. I, I mean, it's a good defensive front. There's no question about it. You know, um, JPP and Barrett are going to wreak havoc. They're going to do their best. To, but, you know, it's not like the Chiefs don't know they're coming. It doesn't like, you know, Andy Reid's got a couple of weeks to devise. And they're going to have to do some things different offensively. But, you know, on the flip side, you know, uh, listen, this patchwork offensive line, injuries, COVID, opt-outs, um, has played remarkably well considering how how woeful they've been at times, and this team just keeps winning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Rammers is not my favorite guy. He got torched, you know, against the Broncos. Super Bowl 50, Panthers. yep. <clears throat> you know, your your boy Von Miller yep. just, just ate him up. He did. And, and – uh, but you know, this, this is a little different scenario. There's a there's a lot better secondary on Denver, and a lot better linebackers on Denver than what you have in, in Tampa Bay right now. So that that has something to do with his schemes, and then of course you have to take a look at the quarterback. So um, you know, Newton is no Mahomes, um, so that's a huge advantage Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that that that's a big loss. I mean, with Fisher, you know, Mahomes doesn't really have a whole lot to worry about. You know, with Remmers, he's got a little bit more to worry about. But I'm I'm confident that, that that they'll overcome that. 
So we go back to the first meeting between these two, and Tyreek Hill looked like he was on his way to an NFL record yeah. in the first half of that game. Obviously, right. Tampa this week, that's got to be a huge part of their game plan, scheming what they're going to be. If you're somebody like me that likes to play with some props, does that mean Travis Kelsey should maybe be a bigger part of what I'm looking at this week when I'm going through those Chiefs prop bets? <clears throat> yeah, I think I think, I think think Kelsey's going to be the number one target. target. Um you know, I think that's number one. Uh, Hill, you know, I think Hill's going to be used a lot as a decoy. They'll have Watkins back. You know, if Hardman catches the ball and doesn't drop an 89-yard touchdown, <laughs> which he would have had in the last game, you know, then, then it would really have been uh, a little bit more difficult, I think, for the scheming. But I, I would go Kelsey one. I would go Hill two. I'd go Watkins three. I, I think Watkins in his final game in a Chiefs uniform is, is going to play big. Oh, so this will be it for him, you think, Nick? Retirement yeah, I mean, or just or just no room for him next year. I mean, he's nine and a half million dollars. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I think that's a lot of money. Um, I, I you know they, he'd have to come in at like four or five million for the Chiefs to entertain it. I mean, he's obviously injury prone. You know, he didn't come in great shape this year. You know, he's been out of he's he's been a little bit overweight. He's not as fast as he was, but he still makes clutch you know clutch plays in the postseason, and that's why they have him. And and Brett Feast loves him so. You know, if they can work something out, maybe, you know, McCole Hardman has to has to really work hard in the offseason. He's got to get a better grasp of the offense. And I know there's a there's a there's a wide receiver that the Oakland Raiders have. I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders that have yeah. and Nelson Aguilar that I know the Chiefs mm. are high on in free agency, so um, you may see a, a, an Aguilar for Watkins swap, and I'm I'm all in on that. Mm. Yeah, I'd be. I mean, I'd be surprised if uh, if, if Gruden and company uh, let him Mayock let him go because he's that he's he's a difference maker there, Nick. He is, but he. I don't know if you read the story or not, but after the Dolphins game, he basically berated the entire team and told them that they stunk. They had no heart. Um, he just went off. It just came out about last week. Okay, and uh, you know that's that that makes Gruden look really bad. It looks Mayock look even worse. Um, you know the Raiders are going to always be the Raiders. I mean they're just not going to they're just not going to win. Baby. Works for me. It's just not, not going to happen. You know the Chargers right now are the number two threat. I think. Yep, for sure. The Chiefs and the Broncos, if they ever settle on a head coach and a quarterback. You know, hopefully they'll get they'll get that they'll get there too. Yeah, I mean they they came out and they vote of confidence for Drew Locke and they tried to trade him this weekend. Uh, we'll yeah, get to did. that. We'll get to that in a second. So, what is it about this Tampa Bay team, Nick? Seriously, find something that worries you about Tampa Bay. They've got a ton of receivers. I'm not sure Brown's, Brown's going to be able to answer the bell. Evans is a little banged up. Godwin. He drops some balls, but, you know, he's a receiver. Fournette is running the ball exceptionally well. We know their defense. I love their linebackers. David uh, yep. is terrific. Devin White is playing out of his mind. And Shaq yep. Barrett is, um, I mean, he led the league in sacks two years ago. Vita Villa looks as though he's back. What worries you about Tampa Bay? Well, I think what worries me is this. I, I think with Tom Brady and Gronk, obviously they have the experience of being in a Super Bowl, winning multiple Super Bowls. They kind of know what it's all about, and they, they understand what happens. You know the ebb and flow of a championship game. If they can, if they if they successfully successfully relay that intel to the rest of the team, and they are all on the same page offensively and defensively, and have the right mindset, they can they can beat the Chiefs. There's no question in my mind they can beat the Chiefs. Um, but you know it's a matter of guys that haven't been there. You got a head coach that hasn't been there. 
You've got, you know, Brady's on a new team. It's still different, you know, and Patrick Mahomes is standing in his way for what he wants. Mm-hmm. So that, that concerns me. Their unity is really strong. Brady has done a remarkable job. I mean, I'm a closet Brady fan. I'm going to admit it. Um, I just think the way he handled this, his, his, this, all of this this year mm-hmm. and the things that they overcome and the fact that he's at 43, put them in the Super Bowl, you know, what's not to like about it? I mean, you have to respect that. And so if they played at Brady's level in this football game from the 53-man roster, they, they have a good chance to beat the Chiefs. We're normally getting ready for the goofiness that is Super Bowl media day here the next couple of days. That's going to look a whole lot different. I saw players are being tested twice daily in the lead up here. That's a whole lot different. What else is different in your mind? And you're right there in the epicenter there as you live in Florida. You're going to have a lot of those Chief fans making their way down there. Just how different this year is going to be. It just doesn't have the same feel, guys. It's just like it, it, it's it's Super Bowl hype for the fans of, of, of Tampa and Kansas City, but the vibe is completely different. You know, there's not that anticipation. There's not that party week. Mm-hmm. There's not that, you know, fans, you know, are going to uh, emerge down in Tampa and just hang out for a week like we did last year in Miami. Um, it, it's, 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 it's a business game. You know, I, guess, I think that's the best way I can describe it. I mean, the Chiefs are coming in either Friday night or Saturday morning. Yeah. You know, they're not going to come in during any of the hype week. They're not going to do all those things with the other team. It's like a like typical they did last road year. game. Yeah, it's, this is just a glorified road game, and it's, it's a business trip for the Chiefs, and, and I think that's a good thing. You know, they don't have the family distractions. They don't have the, the demands of their time. They mm-hmm. get to sit in a room and do some virtual, you know, interviews for, the, you know, for Monday through Friday and, and be done with it and stay in their houses and sleep in their beds and, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing for Kansas City. I think that gives them actually a really big advantage, um, not to mention they're undefeated on the road this year. So, um, But it, it just doesn't have the same vibe, and it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL Network does and CBS and everybody mm-hmm. leading up this week to see if they can, if they can hype the game up. But obviously, oh, try. Mahomes, Brady, yeah, Mahomes Brady is the big story, but it just doesn't have the same feel as a, as a normal Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I read something. I, I didn't finish it because I thought it was ridiculous that Mahomes needs this one uh, to to uh-huh. s- to establish himself amongst the greats in the game. Really? Yep. I mean, I do, agree. Do you really do? You believe that? I do. I I know that shocks you, but I I he's there, man. I agree that if the true passing of the torch is going to happen, and and Mahomes too, I I know privately wants Brady's title. He he wants this win. And he wants to surpass Brady as the greatest of all time. There's no question in my mind that that drives Patrick Mahomes. But I'm, I think I think Nate Burleson said it on NFL Network. I, I don't disagree with it. I think if, if Mahomes you know, I think beats you're right. Brady, yep. that's it. There will be no more conversation about who the next GOAT is or you know who's going to be the next great quarterback. You know, it, it, it allows Brady to have one less and Mahomes gains one. And listen, the Chiefs, are a good football team. They're not great. Think about it. They're not a great football team yet. They have not played a full four-quarter game in the Patrick Mahomes era. I argue you can count on one hand three-quarter games where they played well three-quarters. If they ever get the kind of team together that would be one that you could say is going to go undefeated every year, and I think that might be next year if they make some changes. (laughs) So I think this is big for Mahomes. Here, look what he's done in the last two years. If he goes back-to-back 
with a with an offensive line that's been so so, yeah. with a defense that's learning by fire, with a rotation of running backs, with with you know wide receivers coming in and out injured, you know have a hey as a couple of staples, but my God, the potential on this team I think elevates to a new level if they win this football game. That's a, that's, a, that's a mouthful. Um, look, Tyreek Hill is as big a weapon as there is, and I think, as I said last week, and Travis Kelsey's the separator uh, on this yep. offense. Sorry, Trent. No, 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 no problem at all. Well, uh, there's a lot of other NFL things going on, including the weekend, a big trade. Want to get your perspective on that one? I know the Chiefs aren't involved. They're not going to be looking for a quarterback for uh, hopefully the next 12 years for their sake. But Jared Goff for Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford. So. I have two Rams fans in my life, which is weird here in in our outpost in Des Moines, but both of them not as excited as I thought they would be getting Matt Stafford. And it struck me as surprising. I don't know your takeaway when you saw this trade. Uh, You know, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily get it. I mean, I know why Stafford's out, you know, and I know why, why McVay is, is, you know, has soured on golf. I think McVay, you know, he needs to look himself in the mirror. Totally agree. He was the yep. yeah. He he was the problem. He was the problem. The Super Bowl when he choked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he he's he's been the problem ever since that game. Yep. And blaming it on Goff is 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 wrong. Now Goff, you know, is not a really good leader. Um, there's a lot of egos on that football team. You know, beginning with the head coach, so he gets a fresh start. But the Stafford thing. Listen, I love Matt Stafford. I think he's one of the top. 10, 12 quarterbacks in the NFL. But, you know, he had Megatron and didn't win anything. Now, I'm sorry, when you have the greatest wide receiver or one of the greatest wide receivers of all time and you can't win anything yeah, with him. Yeah, but he didn't have a running game, though. Didn't I know. Have an offensive line. I know. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, if the head coach doesn't mess him up in, in L.A., then I think I think it's a good move. For Goff, hey, he gets out of there. Yeah. Um, he gets in a situation where he's got a GM that wants him, who drafted him. They're going to coddle him. They're going to build a team around him. Um, I think clearly, clearly the Lions um, won the trade. Well, I think in the here and now, the the Rams, uh, I think that elevates them. I, I mean, I will say this. I'm looking forward to Stafford in that offense, seeing what he can do with Cooper Cup. Um, right. And maybe they can run the football. Certainly Cam Akers looks as though he's got a really good future uh, in front of him. they still got a great defense. But, the, but Detroit... And I know it's been a long time for it's been forever for Lions fans. I like yep. the fact, and they're going to be late picks in the first round. I get that part, but I understand why they did it. Uh, we shall see. Nick, last thing for you: you want to go on record with a score uh, in Super Bowl Fifty Five? What's uh, what? What do you got for a final score? I think the Chiefs will win forty-one to twenty-six. So an easy cover. I thought yeah. you just told us it's going to be a tough game a little bit. <laughs> I just, I just I'm with you, was, Nick. I'm with you. The, it's going to be tough for the Bucks. I, <laughs> I think they're going to blow them out. Uh, I'm with you. Nick, great stuff. We'll uh, we'll recap it on Monday with you. Thank you, bud. Enjoy your week. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. PrimetimeSportsTalk.com is where you can read Nick. He's the chief operating officer of Primetime. SportsTalk.com. Uh, Trent, I, I, th- this trade, this big trade. It is. Big, big trade. I heard it, and I. How old is Stafford now? Thirty-three. Be thirty-three this upcoming season, so he's got three or four years left for sure. I think so. I think at a high level, uh-huh. you got a pretty average offensive line. Uh, Tick yeah, above, yeah. I mean, it depends. Whitworth's coming to the end. I mean, he's yes. as good as ever was at left tackle, but mm-hmm. how many more has he got left? Right. Uh, Cam Akers emerged. He did in a big, big way. Wood Cooper Cup. Um, 
Who's the tight end? They got a couple of them. That they, Higby's they, one of yes, them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know much about it, uh, the tight end position there. Their defense is solid. It is. And look, Jared Goff, say what you want about him. He answered the bell with three screws, the three pins in his thumb. You know? But you could tell at the end of the season. Well, they weren't going to him. Yeah. It wasn't his team. It was John Wolford's team. That's who McVay wanted. Uh-huh. When you get to a guy that, look, he was athletic. He could run around a little bit. He was better than I anticipated he'd be. Mm-hmm. But now you put Matthew Stafford with that guy. Oh, boy. Think of when he had Goff flying at his highest and those points. In the Chiefs-Rams mm-hmm. game, that Monday night game. It was unreal. So much fun. It was unreal, that game. Now you put that guy with that kind of talent there. I think this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I do too, and I think eventually I can see what Detroit's doing, mm-hmm. trying to build up that uh, that capital, the yes. currency, which is the draft. Um, I, get, I get what they're doing, and there's nothing. There's no reason that if they they draft what eight eight, I think they're eight. I think it's they're, they're seven or eight. Um, if they want a quarterback, if they want mm-hmm. Justin Fields, and he's there, grab him, right. Let him sit for you. Because Goff's got, what, two years, I think, left on this deal, this guaranteed deal? It's a lot of money. And if you need to take a cap hit for 2022, okay, you're still the Lions. Right. It's not about 2022. This is a long-term play, and Mm -hmm. this is what you're building for to being good in 2024 and 25. Right. That's realistically where you're going. When Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the league. (laughs) That helps, too. Uh, we'll uh, take a time out here. we got to do a keyword. Did you hear the Kirk Cousins also uh, buzz that is out there? No, what's going on? San Francisco might be kicking the tires. Okay. And what would come in? Would Garoppolo go to to the Vikes? I I would think that would be that kind of swap that would happen. Again, this is just Twitter rumblings. I didn't even read an article by by anybody that knows the ramifications financially. I had not seen that yet. Kicking the tires at the very least. Look, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins isn't the problem on the Minnesota Vikings. No, no. I don't think so. Not by any means. They have... More pressing issues. Yeah, somebody, Hunter, is he going to come back? Mm-hmm. The linebackers, um, the hitman's getting a little long in the tooth. Those cornerbacks, the young ones improved. I think they have something there. I do, Trent. I think both of the young corners are, are going to be okay. And Zimmer knows how to coach he that does. position. He does. Um, but yeah, Kurt Offensive line? The yeah. yeah, they got some problems there. Um, well, that's something to watch. I didn't know. Thank you for alerting me to that. Let's do this. Time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200 right now. It's your chance at $1,000. WIN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Scott Dockerman joins us next. We will get. Uh, we'll take a look back uh, to Friday night. As the Hawks fall by what five, I think, in the end in Champagne. Busy week, Sparty tomorrow, Bucks on Thursday, Indiana on Sunday. Um Game Time tomorrow is six. FS one. So both the clones and the Hawks are the same time tomorrow. One of them's on your iPad. Or if you're fancy like Trent, you found a way to get the <laughs> it on the, t- the ESPN Plus on the TV. Uh, but of course, if you can't be in front of your TV for either game, Iowa State plays down the hall on uh, 100.3 The Bus, and Iowa plays down the other hall on News Radio 1040 WHO. Miller and Condon at 11:25, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. We are Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM. This is KXNO.
Trek Hyden here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renner's Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, they're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Scott Dockerman in a moment. Drake has checked in. They're in the AP, top 25. Yeah, just ahead of Oklahoma State. They're in the rankings. And, of course, for the first time since the season you remember incredibly well. It was unbelievable, that run. Uh, All the way to Tampa where they were unceremoniously dumped as the fight. Ty Rogers. Ty Rogers. Oh, what a shot and a a tough day. I think Adam Emenecker was one for ten. He carried that team that year. The uh, Larry Bird Trophy winner uh, did so much. Uh, Just an unfortunate day to pick to have a a tough day. Uh, Let's get Scott Dockerman in here. By the way, the uh, Bulldogs, Des Moines hometown team, they're in action tonight. The Naps Center, Illinois State. Uh, once again tonight, we will talk about that, I'm sure, before we get out of here. But right now, Scott Dockerman joins the program. Doc, Trent, and Ken, how are you? I am well. How about you all? Doing well, and I appreciated you uh, watching the Senior Bowl over the uh, over the weekend, so I didn't have to, um, as you were tweeting about some of the uh, Hawks that were making an impact in the game. And, uh, but it sounds to think Golston had a pretty big day. Yeah, he was pretty active. Uh, he, he He's had to fight through quite a few double teams. A lot of times he would beat the guard and the center would go over. I mean, you know, statistically it wasn't great and they don't really have a lot of <laughs> the statistics are kind of fleeting as they are. But I think by and large he really improved himself over the course of the week and then in the game. Um, and, and his tape or what he showed last week really reflected his level of play. So. I'd imagine that those uh, coaches and scouts that met with him in, in Mobile will be uh, blown away as far as his uh, intangibles go. So I, I think his trajectory is upward when it comes to the April Flash May draft. Davion Nixon looks like he's destined to be a first-round pick. Of that next tier of guys, you talk about goals, maybe even take him away. That group that are going to be fifth, sixth, seventh range, maybe even undrafted free agents, who do you think has the best shot? Where of, do you have Jackson going? Of really sticking. And yeah, take him out. We're talking about that next tier gotcha. guy, the guy that's not going to be an automatic draft pick. Out of that group, who do you like most to have a long NFL career? 
Oh, that's that's a great question, and health always is the intent is always the question mark. Yeah. You can't predict that part. But I'll say this: that really, I, I look at them in kind of tiers, and there's a top tier, which are three guys: Davion Nixon, as you mentioned, a first slash second rounder. Uh, I think Golston has probably played himself into that second third round range. Jackson, uh, you know, the reports are mixed, and you know he might go anywhere as high as the second round to the fourth. After that, then, as you mentioned, I think there are a handful of guys that kind of have that opportunity. Um, Sean Beyer at tight end. He's an Iowa tight end. He had a, his best year last year. Uh, the pass-catching statistics don't necessarily reflect that, but I think that he's he's got an impression that he's made. I think Amir Smith-Marset is a guy that can really uh, – it's probably on the, the upward of that simply because of his kick return ability. He's probably – a you know, a team probably looks at him as a fourth or fifth wide receiver and can then, you know, from that point on, you know, he can, but he's also a kick returner. Uh, Brandon Smith is, is interesting to me because, you know, statistically he suggests, you know, pre, a free agent, but he does have a lot of good physical abilities and um, it wasn't really, he had some drops this year, but other than that, the, the quarterback issue really impacted him. And then, you know, Cole Banwert, um, I think, has a chance to be a, probably a late-round pick, fifth, sixth, seventh rounder, but I also think he's got a chance to stick because he knows how to play football. And, and a lot of times if you're an Iowa guy and you're an offensive lineman, they know what they're going to get, and if you're good enough, you're plug-and-play, and, and you can stick to a roster. So I would kind of put them in that category. And then there are a few others, you know, uh, Nick Beeman, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mekhi Sargent had a nice hula bowl, and, uh, you know, probably Keith Duncan, has, they all have kind of opportunities. I think they have opportunities to make teams. Uh, and that's why I thought Kronk was going to come back, because I think he could have used because he was hurt, just didn't play uh, very much, Doc. And uh, I think that uh, that, that would help him. Anyways, we'll, we'll see. That, that's a good question. And certainly it's going to be something to watch between uh, now and uh, April. Uh, Doc, so you'll get right on signing day will they at uh, at that point will they shed any light on how they're going to handle spring practice isn't it usually about that time and maybe not usually but periodically uh we find out just the plans as to when they'd like to start and and how they're going to handle it i think so i think we'll have a you know probably a general idea of what's going to take place because they've, they've already been a couple of weeks into workouts, uh, they have six freshmen on campus. Uh, you have, you know, kind of the semblance of what's going to go on over the next six or seven weeks. I think that's that's fair that they will have, uh, you know, on, on Wednesday, this week will start, maybe when it'll wrap up or come close to that. Now, I don't know if they'll have specifics as far as if they'll have a game, if it's going to be in the stadium, if it's going to be in the you know what, what they're going to do there, but uh, I think they they will have kind of a blueprint as to what they're going to do for the rest of the spring. Another question on the draft and looking forward. I think a lot of people saw Davion Nixon how much upside he had, finally realizing it this season. But to be at this level, it might have been a stretch. Who on this roster can get to that kind of level? Mm-hmm. Who's the next first round draft pick that's currently on the Iowa football roster? I know, I know, I know. But- <laughs> there might be a center in there. there you that, go. Uh, but he's a center. center. He's a center, it, and, and that's that's where I'd maybe give some pushback yeah, to. Maybe say, yeah, it's a good point. It's this position. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, centers don't go first. You know, top ten, right? I mean, but twenties, yes. priority yeah. position. Yeah. But yeah. but I think when you get into that twenty five range mm-hmm. and beyond, 
that's where a lot of times you'll find uh, a center, you know, somebody like somebody like that. And I think Tyler Linderbaum is good enough that if they need to slide him over or slide somebody else over, um, you know, if you're talking about, like, say, Chicago, for instance, you could slide Cody Whitehair over or James Daniels over for a Tyler Linderbaum. So, uh, you know, and other teams are that way as well. So, uh, I, I mean, you got to start there. Yep. <laughs> He's that guy. Now, beyond that, it's hard to say, uh, you know, I mean, I, I kind of think if I was to pick one guy that I think will make his mark next year and elevate himself into that conversation of first team, all big 10 and possibly beyond that is Jack Campbell. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way he played. I thought he was incredible last mm-hmm. year when he got in there, physical, great athlete. Um, when Ferris says extra heartbeat, what it means is they're kind of a tempo setter and they tip the field. And he certainly did that. And I think a full year, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, healthy. <laughs> I think he could be the, one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten, and if not yep. in the country. So uh, he's the guy that I would look at, even though he'll only be a junior. Man. Yeah, and I'm with you, Doc. I think his his stock's incredibly high, and um, and, and best Benson likewise. I, I mean, it, it was they were a different team uh, when he was uh, wasn't it was game one that uh, that he missed. Uh, but you're right on the money, Doc, uh, on Jack Campbell. Your assessment there. So let's move to basketball. Trent, you done football wise? Yeah, good. Let's get to uh, basketball. Illinois and Iowa. Doc, it lived up to the hype, you know, for a uh, a game in late January, a regular season conference game. Uh, it just we we talked literally every day about this game, and when the schedule came out, everybody was when's Iowa Illinois play? They were so good. Those two games we saw last year, uh, it lived up to the hype. Didn't go the Hawks way, but boy. Oh boy, that was a fun, fun couple of hours. It was. It was. Uh, it reminds you of what basketball can be at this time of year, and I think a lot of even the games we've watched that have been good or bad, it, it, there's always been something missing. And I think a lot of that is the fan element. But I also think in this case, you saw how two teams wanted to win so badly, no matter what the the environment was like, and. Uh, they played very close. There were, you know, I think Illinois' biggest lead was seven. Iowa's was six. Um, it was possession by possession. There were great plays made by great players. Um, there were runs. There was just there was every element that you would want uh, if you were a neutral observer. Now, granted, if you're an Iowa fan, did that go the way you wanted it to? And this reminded me a lot of the Iowa-Illinois games of the 80s and early 90s that were just as good as any series you'll ever find out there. So, um, it's unfortunate it's the only time they played this year, uh, but at least scheduled-wise. But, uh, you know, these teams are good enough where I could see them hooking up at some point in March. Okay. Ian. Ian Trent. And how about April? Let's have that happen, too, in the Final Four. Hey, Doc, back-to-back losses, difficult week coming up this week, three games over, what, six days as they get ready. Michigan State, Ohio State, and Indiana after that. These games are going to be compressed. It's going to be a difficult schedule compared to what you're used to. But my question is expectations. What this team is, what what we should think of them. Are they a top 10 team? They're still ranked in the top 10 at the AP poll this week at number 8. Have your expectations changed at all, and should the fan bases? <laughs> I don't know if I can answer the fan base part of it. That, that goes all the way around. Uh, I, I will say this. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten title. I, I think that they've got their schedule is, is pretty challenging, and I think you look at a few other teams, uh, Michigan and Purdue in particular have easy paths, uh, easier paths to get to that finish line. Um, Michigan's game, is serious, a lot of their games will be very compressed, so they might lose a few more, but they've only got one loss. Uh, you know, Iowa has 
as uh, three in the Big Ten, and they've, as you mentioned, they've got some pretty challenging games. I think it's hard for Iowa fans because it's been so long, but I think you've got to put that in the rearview mirror and just not worry about that. Worry about the season as a whole, and, and don't overreact after one loss, and I know it's hard. <laughs> it never mm-hmm. seems to happen with Iowa fans, but but uh, you know, look at the big picture. I think this is a top-ten team. I think this is a quality team that's going to give a lot of teams a lot of problems. Do I think it's a Final Four team? No. I don't. I don't think their defense is good enough. And I was looking at these. I was kind of comparing and for a piece that we've got out coming out tomorrow in the Athletic, examining both the Big Ten and nationally. And I mean, Iowa's adjusted defense uh, efficiency-wise by Ken Palm, you know, is right now is at ninety-six. And I went through the last ten Final Four teams uh, years worth of Final Four teams, and the lowest was seventy-eight, but that was an outlier because there were an eleven seats. The rest of them, you know, I mean. 17 of them were top 10 teams. So I don't know if they have the defense to go all the way. They would have to have a kind of a golden path. But that said, I think this is a team that's um, an upper third in the Big Ten. I think it's a top 10 to top 12 team, and I think it's a second weekend team. And if it has a good path, it's got that chance. So I think you just – but but have fun watching them. Yeah. Other, that's, really, that's really the hard thing because I don't think a lot of people – enjoy the games enough to, to really appreciate what what they are. Uh, that's a very good point. Uh, for both of you on this one, uh, Tony Perkins, uh, I think they they might have something there. He's He really caught me. I didn't play a ton of minutes, um, but when he was on the floor, he certainly did, did not look out of place at all, Doc, the freshman uh, from Indiana. But there is some potential there once a lot of these guys move on. And I think him in the backcourt, um, you know, getting minutes, I think it's really important for him to do that. And that's, you know, C.J. Frederick is such an important piece, and, and I think that hasn't been mentioned really enough that, you know, he didn't play the second half against Indiana. He didn't play the other day. He would have made an impact in both games, not saying they would have won. But I think that the, the if there is a benefit, it is getting Tony Perkins on the floor because he's doing a lot of good things. Had a couple assists. He didn't have a turnover. Uh, you know, he made a shot. So I, I think, And he had three rebounds. So I, I think he's a guy that that you want to get on the floor as often as you can just to get him acclimated to that because next year he's going to be a big piece of this team. And whether he starts or he's going to be a heavy rotation guy, I really like him. And I think, you know, well, we've seen what the Keegan Murray's impact has been yeah. as a freshman. And I, I'm not saying Tony Perkins is all of that, but I think getting him in for a couple of uh, stretches in each half, like, be really beneficial for him in short term and long term. Is it? Time for Jack Dunchy to stop with the threes. Be what you are. You're the backup mm. to Garza. You'll play a little bit together and you'll be the four, but we got plenty of guys that can shoot yeah. it. Until you can hit better than 20%, we got better guys that can hit better shots. I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think there I think there does need to be a little bit more better selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether, you know, Fran has pretty much talked all about Dungy's career, about his range and that, but I think at this point, You've got to, as you mentioned, you've got to kind of center on what you are in your best opportunities. And I think him taking a three is not the same as even a struggling Jordan Bohannon right. uh, taking a three or, you know, allowing other people to do different things. I mean, it, it's kind of taking threes feels like an easy way out for a lot of players. And it's almost a wish when they throw it up there, like they hope that it goes in. And then all of a sudden, everything will be magically better. And that's not the case. I think they, when they are at their best, they, their offense is moving so well, and they do it a lot. 
and a lot of it really has to do more with Luka Garza than anything else. So make sure he gets his touches because he will find you out of the post. I mean, he's kind of like <laughs> Seth Tuttle was that way at you and I a few years ago, and I think he, you know Garza's even better at that. And and of course, uh, you know Nunji just needs to play his position because rebounding. All those types of things. That's really where he needs to be, you know, more efficient. Uh, did the officials get it right, Doc? I mean, clearly the, it was not goaltending. Coburn did get the ball before it hit the backboard, but Wieskamp grabs it right away and puts it right back in. So, what I'm guessing we are led to believe is once they went to the monitors after they corrected the uh, their their miss there, that everything after that is, is taken off, right? So you go back to that point where they corrected the bad call, and everything that happened after that we're led to believe didn't happen. Was that is that essentially uh, how it played out? It was called correctly, but it was called incorrectly. I mean, it was it was the worst possible call they could have made. Uh, if if you were smart, if, if the Big Ten or if there was they were given any kind of leeway at all, it would be one of those stands is called. Uh, you know, so you just give them the, the goaltend and, and move on because uh, you know, yes, everything after that is supposedly called off, but you took two points off the board in a very competitive game. Yeah. Critical, critical juncture, and then Iowa didn't score on that situation. So that was, you know, I'm not going to say tragedy or anything because we, Lord knows, 2020 has taught us a lot about that. But, but I mean, that was really an unfortunate situation, and I think the officiating uh, needed to be called to the carpet a little bit. I mean, Illinois plays a physical brand of defense; they're an incredibly good team. I'm not blaming them for, you know, I'm not blaming the officials, but. You're telling me that they can go the final 10 minutes and four seconds without being called for a, for a uh, foul? Give me a break. Well, and that doc and, and and Fraser on, on the uh, on the baseline. I thought he was in the band yeah. and he was going to dot the I in <laughs> Illinois like the Ohio State guy does. I mean, his he was high stepping doc three times, at least three steps. Anyways, go ahead, Trent. Well, and and the final part yeah. about that is post game. You guys are doing the Zoom, and Fran. Doesn't want to get fined. Doesn't want to get the reprimand from the Big Ten. Some people on the national yes, level. I was shocked. Didn't Hassel. understand it. Chris Hassel, who's from here, that is an Iowa fan. Right. He takes it, and maybe there's an axe to grind. That's a different conversation. But Matt Norlander, national guys mm-hmm. that just don't get it. I, don't. I was surprised by it. Your takeaway, Doc. I, you know, I've had my issues with France yeah. for the years, and you guys have known that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And, and really, I think part of it was if he, he at the end, he kind of issued like a via culpa, which was to me the message that he wanted to send. I mean, at first, it started sounding like he was being kind of condescending to, to Chad Lystico, and he has done that in the past. But then, it, but then when he's like, I must be the worst coach if I can right. only get him, you know, one free throw, and that's his message to say. It's not, it's not you. It's it's this this game and this system and and yeah. I mean the toe drag swag from from uh, Frazier to yeah. not calling a foul over the ten minutes, not get. You know, I mean Luca Garza is really physical. It's hard to stop him and and Coburn is not that good of a defender. I mean he's an incredible athlete, but that was that was a poorly officiated game. Mm-hmm. And again, Illinois and Iowa, if they played ten times, each would win five. It, they, it's an incredible game and an incredible series. But I do think that that needs to be harshly critiqued, and uh, because these that that just as you guys talked about at the top, this felt like this felt like a tournament game. It did it had that feel to it? And there are two teams playing at a very high level, 
and the officiating didn't match. And the Big Ten needs to correct that immediately. Couldn't agree with you more. Doc, you've been very generous with your time here this morning. Thanks for what you do for Scott Dockerman. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you. <laughs> Scott Dockerman joining us as uh, we... Yeah, it's too bad the, the official. And you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. Lysica wasn't offended. He didn't take no. it like that at all. But if you hear just that clip and you don't yes. know Fran and you don't know the way but Chris the game Hassel exactly, knows Fran. He does. I think there's more there. Maybe I don't know about that part of the, about that part of the story. All right, food insecurity is not new to Iowa. Before COVID, one in ten Iowans uh, was uncertain where their next meal, and seventy percent of those folks had to decide between uh, food and utilities. Food insecurity is double today, triple for households with children. Heat or eat to get help, or if you can't help, visit foodbankiowa.org. Our final uh, stoppage here. We'll come back, finish it up on a Monday. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Murph and Andy talk sports and more. Weekdays at 2 on 1460 AM and 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. The 55th big game is this weekend. 55. A game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. To finish off the football season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players a no-brainer of an offer. To celebrate football's finale, DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game. That's right. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored Sunday night, and boom, bang, your money is doubled. Sounds like a no-brainer. And don't forget about DraftKings Big Game Prediction Challenge with up to 50 $55 million in total prizes up for grabs and instant prizes for everyone who enters the contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. That's promo code KXNO to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night's season finale. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash prediction dash challenge dash DFS for details. Gambling problem? Call 1 800. All right, welcome back. Final couple of minutes, Miller and Condon. By the way, um, we, no one can see you, but you're wearing your Minnesota North Stars ball cap <laughs> yeah. here today. Reminds me. The jerseys that they wore last night against the Lance, the Wild one in overtime. Mm-hmm. Boy, they were sweet. The throwback jerseys. Oh, my. The actual green. Yes. The Kelly green, not the dark green garbage oh. they got. No red. See, I don't, I don't, well, I don't want to piss off Wild fans. I don't I, like their jerseys. I don't either. I don't like the Never mascot. have. I don't, I don't like the color scheme. But I told the ones you today. Last night, just. Take back the name. I don't care that Dallas stole the Stars' name when that idiot took the team down to Dallas. You're the North Stars. Yes. Be the North Stars again. If there's two Stars or they want to be the Lone Stars. Trent, there's two Rough Riders in the CFL and there's only nine teams. (laughs) Perfect point. Ottawa Rough Riders, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Who are you playing? Who Who are the Rough Riders? Bring it back. I agree with you. Boy, they look good on TV last Mm -hmm. night. That was a good hockey game, too. Really good hockey Wild playing well. They did. And the home opener for the Iowa Wild Friday night. Tick, tick, tick. Getting closer all the time. So is Murph and Andy. They'll be here at 2, the Fanatics at 4. Uh, the Des Moines Register Cyclone Show tonight is at 6. Tonight at 6. Uh, morning Rush tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.